the world is more complex than ever. Who can make sense of it? Join Reverend Michael Angley Oguche on NUMA Podcast each week as he shows you how God's Word connects directly to your life in this age and helps you navigate trials and tribulations. If you want to deepen your relationship with God and learn what He has in store for you, listen and subscribe to NUMA Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for NUMA Podcast. Hello and welcome to NUMA Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche, bringing your way today the inspired Word of God, and I hope you will be blessed. Hello, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I am so glad you are able to join NUMA Podcast today. The key text for this podcast is the Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 15, verse 11 to 32. To further illustrate the point, he told them this story. A man had two sons. When the younger told his father, I want my share of your estate now, instead of waiting until you die, his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and took a trip to a distant land and there wasted all his money on parties and prostitutes. About the time his money was gone, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve he persuaded a local farmer to hire him to feed his pigs. The boy became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the swine looked good to him, and no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired men have food enough and to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming and was filled with loving pity, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you, and I am not worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the slaves, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him, and a jeweled ring for his finger and shoes, and kill the calf we have in the fattening pen. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost and is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard dancing music coming from the house and asked one of the servants what was going on. 
your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the calf we were fattening and has prepared a great feast to celebrate his coming home again unharmed. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I have worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to, and in all that time you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours comes back after spending your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have on the place. Look, their son, his father said to him, You and I are very close, and everything I have is yours. But it is right to celebrate, for he is your brother, and he was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. Please join me as we bring this podcast before the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I thank you for this beautiful day and time with my brothers and my sisters. I ask, O Lord, that you bless the sound of my voice, illuminate the understanding of my people, those who will be listening to this podcast. And I pray, God, that your inspiration will be upon me, that in the end, this word will bring comfort to somebody out there. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. The title of this podcast is The Parable of a Father and Two Sons. The Parable of a Father and Two Sons. Thank you once again for taking time to join Numa Podcast. In this episode, I am inspired to share with you a succinct insight and the distinctive characters of the three main actors in the metaphor of what is called the prodigal son. This is a story that have been told time and time again. Each time the story is told, it is told with enthusiasm from different angles and depending on the narrator. It is also a story with a melodramatic composition that, though began on a sad note, ended in a happy place. The key character, as we would see, was a person of great flaw of character, but was wise enough to retrace his steps back to his father's house, back to reality. Sad because he jumped the gun and demanded for his share of his father's estate before it was due him and happy because he realized in time to receive forgiveness and restoration from his father. 
let me invite you this very moment to come with me as we consider together this superlative allegorical narrative from God's Word. I'm not really sure if the story was appropriately named the prodigal son, as I would have loved it to be known as the parable of a father and two sons. This is because the three main characters played remarkable roles in enhancing the impact of the story on its audience as against the singular actions of son number two. As always, Jesus Christ was addressing the Jewish religious leaders and the authorities on Jewish law because of the unfounded allegation that he was socializing with questionable characters such as tax collectors who were classified as licensed robbers and other despicable sinners around him. By this accusation, those Jewish religious Leaders were totally ignorant of the mission of God on earth or the mission that God was accomplishing through Jesus Christ as a man. Jesus himself said earlier in Luke chapter 5 verse 32, My purpose is to invite sinners to turn from their sins, not to spend my time with those who think themselves already good enough. Now, the importance of the use of parable is simply to communicate profound truth to genuine listeners and conceal it from insincere listeners. So, as we explore, we're going to look at the role each of the actors played in the parable. Let's begin by looking at the character of son number two. First, he was brave restless and explorative at heart, which could easily pass for youthful exuberance or juvenile delinquency. In this story, he asks his father for his share of the family's estate. What an outrageous request to make. It is like saying, Dad, why are you still here? I wish you were dead so that I can get my own inheritance and get on with life. We are not told if the father argued with him. Instead, he divided the properties and released to his youngest son his share. This, in my view, is the beginning of his trouble. Think for a moment, if you were the father, would you have just given your son the inheritance? Yet, this is what we do as God's children by continually asking for our inheritance from the family. We want out. We want our own space and we want our own freedom. The good news is this. God, like the father in our story, God loves us abundantly and he is waiting for us. This time at the door and knocking only if we will let him in. It's important that as you consider this message to have in mind that from the start of this parable, Jesus wants his audience to understand that 
Despite the love of God, there has to be a recognition of the wrong this son committed by jumping the gun. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 says this. God's word says, if we confess our sins to him, he can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died to wash away our sins. Son number one understood the actions that got him where he was. He started it all. He was irresponsible and careless. But he knows better now. So he said, that's Luke chapter 15, verse 18 to 19. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired man. Son number two wants to demonstrate true repentance to his father for what he has done, but the father would have none of that before he could complete his well-rehab speech and offer any form of compensation to his father. His father cuts him short and said, that's Luke chapter 15 verse 22a. Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him and a jewel ring for his finger and shoes and kill the calf we have in the fattening pen. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has returned to life. He was lost and is found. So the party began. Clearly, he was a broken man and his father understood that. Son number two has experienced metanoia, an ancient Greek word for change in one's way of life resulting from penitence or spiritual conversion. Metanoia is much more than just a burden or simply a change of mind. It is the outcome of sincere regret of what had taken place occasioning from our experience of awe-inspiring spiritual conversion. That was what happened to son number two. On the father's road, we must keep in mind against the background that it is not the case that this father loved his son because he came to himself and returned back home. Instead, it is the case that the father already loved his sons. Yes, he loved both his sons enough to grant the erring one his desire to take his own share of the family estate. This path agrees with many other parts of the Bible. For example, John chapter 3 verse 16 said, For God loved the world so much that he gave his only Son, so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not suddenly start loving us because we repent, just as the Bible said in Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So here we see that 
The Father's love in the story mirrors the love of God the Father for those he created in his own very image like you and me. This is Numa Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche. God bless you. Keep listening. The issue with the character of the father from the perspective of the 21st century understanding is this. The father who undoubtedly knew better because of his deficiency of wisdom of his younger son should have reprimanded him but instead approves his request. Again, this is also consistent with how God responds to us. Every human being is created by God as free will moral agent with the power of choice and certainly we become the result of the choices we make at all times good or bad. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 said, I call heaven and earth to witness against you that today I have set before you life or death, blessing or curse. Oh, that you would choose life, that you and your children might live. The father, though may seem wrong in not attempting to stop his son, but Bear in mind that this is a parable that Jesus was telling to the original audience who were the Jewish religious leaders and the authorities on Jewish law because of the allegation of what they consider an unholy alliance with questionable characters such as tax collectors who were classed as licensed robbers and other despicable sinners. Therefore, it makes complete spiritual sense to demonstrate to his distractors of how loving the Father's love is and how far he was willing to let creation decide by activating their free will moral agency as human beings. One of the outstanding characters that this unnamed father possesses, which reflects God, is the ability to forgive. Let's look again at Luke chapter 15 verse 20. So he returned home to his father and while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming and was filled with loving pity and ran and embraced him and kissed him. God is so loving, so loving that not even our shortcomings can stop his love for us. This again reminds us of Romans chapter 8 verse 35 and 38. Here's what he says. Who then can ever keep Christ's love from us? When we have trouble or calamity, when we are hunted down or destroyed, is it because he doesn't love us anymore? And if we are hungry or penniless or in danger or threatened with death, has God decided us? For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from his love. Death can't. 
and life can't, the angels won't, and all the powers of hell itself cannot keep God's love away. Wonderful. I feel like jumping. I am so excited that I'm loved by God. And you too, brothers and sisters, you're loved by God, your God. When the son was still a long way away from home, the father saw him. He recognized his silhouette, for he is his son, just as God knows each and every one of us from our shadows. He created us after all. Last week, I was privileged to be speaking to an elderly lady who was ill. She invited me for a private conversation and she said to me, I have been a Christian for a long time. I stopped attending church meetings and now I feel I am losing my faith in God. As I listened, I felt the Holy Spirit inspiring me to say to her that she is still very much loved by God and that the presence of God is never far away from us all, even though she felt that way. John chapter 4 verse 24 has this to say, God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Brothers and sisters, if God is truly a spirit, then all that it takes to serve him is to acknowledge his presence by faith wherever and at all times. Brothers and sisters, I feel I have been used to bring some comfort to that daughter of God, and I am sharing the same encouragement with you who is listening to this message today, and you who is discouraged and feel all alone that God is with you as he was with his primary audience. Matthew chapter 28 verse 20b, be sure of this, that I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Last but not the least is son number one. The character and action of son number one demonstrates a natural reaction of human beings. First, he was that sort of person that is well settled and with marginal aspirations in life and contented with what life is offering. This is a good character trait. However, where this kind of character is laced with envy, it brings destruction. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. The father is so glad. Son number two is home and throws a party as a result. And now son number one wonders why there should be a party for a delinquent and a scandal of a son at all. He confronted his father. That's Luke chapter 15 verse 29 to 32 B. He said, all these years I have worked hard for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after spending your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the finest calf we have on the place. Look, their son, his father said to him, you and I 
are very close and everything I have is yours. But it is right to celebrate for he is your brother and he was dead and has come back to life. He was lost and is found. Son number one, true to his character trait, was very angry and envious of his delinquent brother who wasted everything by depleting their family wealth. So he protested, but his father, just like God the Father, was full of mercy and love for both of them. He explained that if he had asked, he would also have been giving his portion. So the party continued. As I bring this podcast to a conclusion, I dare to say that the church today is no different from the character of the son number one. For example, those who are articulate about their past escapades somehow gets recognized sometimes more than those who are in church and has been faithful throughout their lives. And as a result, the temptation to feel less honored abound because of the feeling of entitlement of being faithful the whole time. Finally, the lesson to take away from this message is the fact that God is a righteous judge who can be trusted to judge rightly. And it doesn't matter how long you have been faithful, it is unto God to forgive and bless who he chooses to forgive and to bless. Let me conclude, brothers and sisters, with what Jesus said about what matters about who came first or who came last in the kingdom. So, in the book of Matthew chapter 20 verse 9 to 15, here is what it says. Those hired at five o'clock came up and were each giving a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that they assumed they would get more, but... They got the same, each of them, one dollar. Taking the dollar, they grouse angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour, and you just made them equal to us, who slaved all day under a scorching sun. He replied to the one speaking for the rest, Friend, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to get stingy because I am generous? Brothers and sisters, I hope and pray that you have learned a thing or two. With this, I will say, God bless you. Please join me again as I pray. Divine Father, I thank you once more for this time with my brothers and my sister. And I pray, God, that as many that are feeling far away, as many that are despondent right now, bring them back home, O God, that they might know and meet you one-on-one. Like the Father forgave this son, number two, you will forgive all of us and forgive as many that are in struggle right now with their faith in you. And I thank you because you have answered this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. 
Amen. How deep the Father's love for us. How fast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. Thank you for listening to the NUMA podcast. This has been the Reverend Michael Angeli Oguche. I pray that God will richly bless you until I come your way again.